Good morning and welcome to the 7am Bible. This is Paul Chapman and this is episode number 44. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for waking us refreshed to another day. We pray now as we open your word, you'll help us to take something from it for our soul's need this day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've just joined us, we've been going through the life of Jacob. In the last episode, we looked at the abomination of desolation, that man of sin that will be bent on destroying God's people in these last days. But if our names are retained in the book of life, God counts us as his during that time of terrible destruction that will take place as the history of our world as we know it comes to an end. I mentioned that Jesus warned his people to flee from ancient Jerusalem when they saw the sign of approaching doom. Jesus identified that destructive power as the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. That power was the Roman Empire. We learnt also that many centuries ago there was a great apostasy of the Christian church that resulted in the rise of a religio-political power. That power reigned for over 1,000 years during the Middle Ages and persecuted God's faithful people. Today I expect a, a revival of that same persecuting power. Like Jacob, God's people will be under threat of death from it, but God will work to deliver them. We learnt in episode 41 that God will send plagues upon the great apostate religio-political system called Babylon, the mother of harlots. In Revelation 18 verse 8 he says, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine. And she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord who judgeth her. When will that be? Right after Jesus finishes his work of mediation. Let's read it in Revelation 15 verse 1. It says here, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And verses 6 to 8, And the seven angels came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials, full of the wrath of God, who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with the smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no man was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Now, if you remember in episode 18, God gave Jacob a dream of a ladder connecting earth with heaven. That ladder was a symbol of Jesus. He is the mediator between our sinful world and heaven. And the place in heaven where Jesus mediates for us is the heavenly sanctuary. Paul tells us that in 1 Timothy 2 verse 5, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And in Hebrews verse uh, chapter 8 and verse 1 and uh, 2, he says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. You see, Jesus is the man that ministers for us in heaven. The Bible says he is our high priest. He stands between us and God. 
Because he partook of our fallen sinful nature when he walked upon the earth 2,000 years ago, he is able to empathize with us in all our tribulations and trials. Remember, he's been through it all himself. As I mentioned in previous episodes, he was tempted in all points like as we are, but did not sin. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was tortured and beaten. And upon his soul was laid the burden of guilt for all the evil that you and I and everyone in this world has ever or will ever commit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, I'm reading here, For he hath made him to be sin for us. That is, God the Father has made him, that's the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is the message God wants me and you to give to the world. And Paul goes on to explain uh, why, because he says in 2 Corinthians 5, just before uh, verse 21, I'm reading from verse 18 to 20, uh, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. This is the marvellous grace of God. We are all sinners and deserve death, but God loved us too much to leave us to perish. Instead, he sent his only son into our world to pay the price for sin, and in doing so, reconciled the world to himself. This is God's grace in action. It's not just God's unmerited favour in forgiving us our sins, but also in giving us a new life through the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. Note how Paul puts it here in his letter to Titus. I'm reading here from Titus chapter 3 and verses 4 to 7. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Saviour toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy he saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Do you have an assurance of that hope? If not, how can you obtain it? Well, God gives it to us, believe it or not, in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's read it in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm reading here. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Did you hear that? 
we are accepted in the beloved Jesus Christ. Paul goes on to say in verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. That's verse 11 to 14 of Ephesians 1. Now, the word earnest here means pledge. It means something that is given as a security or assurance that the rest of what was promised will follow. And so, when we believe in Jesus, he seals our heart with the Holy Spirit of promise to assure us that the rest of our promised inheritance will follow. Immortality and eternal life in this world made new, freed from sin, suffering and death. Isn't that wonderful? Did you know that Jacob's blessing included the Holy Spirit? Remember, it was the same as the blessing to Abraham. Now know what Paul says here in Galatians 3. I'm reading here from verse 7. Know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. And in verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's Galatians 3.14. So the Holy Spirit is part of the covenant blessings made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we can receive the promised gift of the Spirit in Jesus as part of the inheritance. And what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, we already read it. He washes us from sin by the regeneration and renewing of our lives. Note how it happens. I'm reading here from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. By beholding the glory of God in Jesus is how it happens. Why do that? Well, Paul tells us in uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That's Romans 8, 28 and 29. That's what God wants to do with you and me. Transform us into the image of His Son, Jesus. He wants your life to reflect His life. When it does, you'll be ready for heaven, ready for glory. And the agency He uses to do that, His Word made powerful in our lives by the Holy Spirit. When we have that experience, then we can't help but have the assurance of our hope in Jesus. When Jesus finishes his work in us, then he will finish his work in heaven. 
He will have determined who he is going to reward and then leaves the sanctuary in heaven. I think that's why John emphasized that when that happens, no man is able to enter into the temple of heaven. That includes Jesus as the Son of Man. When he stops mediating for this world in heaven, God's wrath against sin will be poured out on this world. The seven last plagues. But note the assurance God has given us in Psalms 91. Let me share it for you. Beautiful psalm here. It says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold, and see the reward of the wicked." Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. That's Psalms 91 verses 1 to 11. And that's what will happen for us in the time of Jacob's trouble. Let me share some thoughts from Ellen White on this in her book, Patriarchs and Prophets. She writes here, When Christ shall cease his work as mediator in man's behalf, then this time of trouble, that's Jacob's trouble, will begin, that's for us. Then the case of every soul will have been decided, and there will be no atoning blood to cleanse from sin. As Jacob was threatened with death by his angry brother, so the people of God will be in peril from the wicked who are seeking to destroy them. And as the patriarch wrestled all night for deliverance from the hand of Esau, so the righteous will cry to God day and night for deliverance from the enemies that surround them. Satan had accused Jacob before the angels of God, claiming the right to destroy him because of his sin. He had moved upon Esau to march against him, and during the patriarch's long night of wrestling, Satan endeavoured to force upon him a sense of his guilt in order to discourage him and break his hold upon God. And that's Patriarchs and Prophets, page 201. But note, when Satan taunts us over our sins, what must we recall? Well, look at this, Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. This is God's promise. If we confess our sins now while Jesus is still in the sanctuary in heaven, they will be forgiven and forgotten. Then whenever the devil tempts us to doubt our salvation, all we can do is remember the promises of forgiveness and acceptance with God. Isaiah 26 verse 3 and 4 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. That's what we need to remember in that time. Remember, 
uh, Ellen White goes on to say here in her book, Patriarchs and Prophets, when in his distress Jacob laid hold of the angel and made supplication with tears, the heavenly messenger, in order to try his faith, also reminded him of his sin and endeavoured to escape from him. But Jacob would not be turned away. He had learned that God is merciful and he cast himself upon his mercy. He pointed back to his repentance for his sin and pleaded for deliverance. As he reviewed his life, he was driven almost to despair, but he held fast the angel and with earnest, agonizing cries urged his petition until he prevailed. Such will be the experience of God's people in their final struggle with the powers of evil. God will test their faith, their perseverance, their confidence in his power to deliver them. Satan will endeavour to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that their sins have been too great to receive pardon. They will have a deep sense of their shortcomings, and as they review their lives, their hopes will sink, but remembering the greatness of God's mercy and their own sincere repentance, they will plead His promises made through Christ to helpless, repenting sinners. That's... um. Yeah, page, page 201, uh, 201 and 202 of Patriarchs and Prophets. So let's make certain God's promises now while there is time. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this meditation this morning. We thank you for the assurance we have of the wonderful pledge of the Holy Spirit in our lives to regenerate us, to renew us and cleanse us from sin. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus who has reconciled this whole world to you and us to you in him. And so we pray, Lord, that we might be... uh, Uh, preserved, Lord, from the trouble and destruction that's coming, that our names may be retained in that book of life, and that you can deliver us, Lord, in that time of trouble ahead. And so we pray that we will be ready, each one, Lord, for the coming of Jesus. And we ask this in and through his name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to the 7am Bible. This has been Paul Chapman and... I pray wherever you are today, wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, remember, take the Lord with you, be prayerful, be careful, and have a great day. And I look forward to you joining me for the next episode of the 7am Bible. Jesus.